0: the action network podcast named best betting podcast or radio show by the fantasy sports and gaming association and the number one show for the invested sports fan
1: all right here we go
2: spreading the court 10 seconds remaining
3: he just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's down to seven seconds. Oh, that's a
4: long way. It's the truth for the win. Gone. Oh, Take it. A miracle. Pitches. Double order.
3: Hit that one from the parking lot. For the championship. Oh.
5: Shock it off! in college basketball. It's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size
6: of the fight in the door. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Action Network podcast. This is the weekend college basketball betting preview. I'm stuck in with me as always is Colin Wilson and Mike Randall. Colin, I uh, gotta ask. got It's just nature of the beast. It's 2021, not just 2020. USC minus one, gone. All that CLV. Gone. I just got the notification the game was canceled.
5: Let's just say we were ahead of that line. And so you saw a notification. That's one reason to have the action app is, you know, if you know something or if we have a feeling that a line's going to move, we get in. USC was quickly on the rise after some news coming out about some things happening happening internally with Stanford. And then COVID on the USC side shuts it down. So we kind of got froze out. And, you know, you and I are used to that after a season full of college football. Uh, I think you and I are pretty used to this point to having a CLV trash can thanks to COVID.
6: It's such an interesting college basketball year. The amount I'm betting is still very small. It's kind of like college football earlier. I'm still trying to figure out so many different things. Home court, which is uh, so far during conference play, it's right around two, two 2.1 points, which is I had it around two is what I reduced it to average across uh, varies differently was three last year but back to back these long layoffs covid news i mean it is crazy year so trying to just figure all this out and hope to be plus along the way and set us up for a big big march just like we did with uh bowl season mr randall let me bring you in here how are things with you sir
3: my kids love the Pete repeat joke when they fall out of the boat and that's pretty much Kentucky and Duke right now right open as a favorite get bet up and then don't cover the spread my only question is guys is Kansas on the road in the big 12 going to join that group or not that's what I want to find out
6: well Kansas had one of the most ridiculous covers I've ever seen in my entire life <laughs> if you had if you had Baylor I I'd Ah, oh, you're still in my thoughts. That was insanity. All
2: right. We have a loaded
6: show. We have a guest that I interviewed a bit ago. You if you listen to the podcast last year. You're familiar with him at PD Buckets to talk some 810 fascinating conference. You have our St. Louis Bilkins, our podcast St. Louis Bilkins. They're part are the first team of our podcast futures portfolio. Colin is going to bring three teams to the table this week. Randall and I will vote one out, and then we'll add another to the fold. Um, But we have St. Louis, who hasn't played in forever. Their game against Bonnie's got canceled on Saturday now. Hopefully they play next Tuesday against Dayton in their first conference game. We have Saturday to get to. We'll go round the horn and each mention a few games that are on our radar. We also have our Friday night six-pack with the guys from Three Man Weave. Before we get into the Collins futures, the three, the trio of futures that he brings, let's just go around the horn and each bring up an ad- observation from the week that was a rant. Anything you want to just mention? I'll start. By the way, the ten- I mean the Tennessee loss, may- maybe the most shocking loss of the year to, f- to an undermanned Florida team. But I'm going to start with DePaul. I mean, I'm appalled at their effort. I bet them against Butler. The other night and from the, I mean, this, this is a team that couldn't make a layup. Just one of the saddest efforts I've seen all year that, I mean, just never competitive. Uh, I, it was, I, I I hate that team. And the problem is everyone hates that team now. I don't think anyone really wants to bet them. They are bum, 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 at more on Saturday. I'm sure I'll probably end up having a bet on them, depending on the line. Kill me now. I'm not interested in that, Randall. Anything you want to bring up from the week?
3: You know, the emperor's close with Clemson. Uh, this is be- uh, not bet regret because I didn't bet it and I should have. So basically, I'm I'm down on Bromel. I don't buy into Clemson. Then I say, you know what? That's it. They go into they play Virginia and get absolutely destroyed. Virginia proving that they are fugazi defense. Clemson. Then they go to Georgia Tech and everybody's like, oh, bounce back. It's going to happen. They've been exposed. They're 32.2 feet per second squared in Ken Palm now, dropping rapidly, get destroyed by Georgia Tech by 18. Mad, I did not get some money on the sinking ship that is the Clemson Tigers.
6: Well, you might not like something I'll have to say later in the show. But, Colin?
5: (laughs) Well, I will not focus on my hogs finally making a return, finally finding the basket after three weeks. Justin Smith is back in the lineup. Musselman's got him hustling as always. They were ice cold. Uh, there's no value in this in this team like long-term because they don't have an identity, but I'm going to focus on that Baylor game with Kansas because I had Baylor minus eight. I specifically waited all day for that eight, not the eight and a half, the eight. That was the one play I had on that night, and they were in control the entire game. Anytime Kansas would make a little bit of a flurry and get into covering range, Baylor just took off, and, and it's really in the advanced stats with these guys. Third in the nation in, in defensive turnover percentage. Six in the nation in offensive rebounding. So my takeaway with Baylor is, is, you know, just don't bet Baylor every night. I'm saying I don't think there should be a price difference between Baylor and Gonzaga in the futures market. I don't see a huge difference in these two teams. You know, if you look at the rest of the schedule, like when can you buy on Baylor? Because I think they're that good. I mean, they're Final Four worthy. Uh, I mean, I would easily probably lay, you know, coin flip, uh, plus 100 on them making the Final Four. I'd probably lay minus 150 on them to make the Final Four. And if you look at their schedule at Texas on February 2nd, that's about it. The rest of the schedule, I mean, revenge Kansas at home. Uh, you know, so I think Baylor's legit and they shouldn't be pricing differently than Gonzaga. I'll pivot on Kansas real quick. I hate you for making me push that ticket with a senior walk on shooting a three right there. When you go on the road, because I'm going to fade you when you go on the road to Tennessee. I, I never bet Tennessee football. I never bet Tennessee basketball. But when Kansas goes to Tennessee, it's going to be Whale City on the balls.
6: I'm sure that'll work out well, given our track record on Tennessee. <laughs> uh, I also will say Purdue, man, P- Painter is just such a great coach. If Purdue brings everyone back next year, oof, that team is going to be scary good you know, with Williams in the middle, they have so many freshmen that are contributing. A uh, big comeback win where they just were couldn't hit an outside shot until the end, and Ohio State was raining threes. Uh, gritty win for Purdue. That team could be very good next year. Um, all right, well, that's enough from the week that was. Let's move in to a look to the futures.
5: Here's the thing about the future.
4: Every time you look at it, it changes because you looked at it.
6: And Colin is up this week. We have St. Louis, 100, 100, I think 100 to 1 in our portfolio for the first team. Colin, you're up. Randall, you're going to be the first to knock off one of the three teams. The floor is yours, Colin. Who are you bringing to the table this week?
5: Yeah, I wanted to really get three teams that I feel like have value. And if no anybody knows anything about me betting in futures in college basketball, I look – for a spot in the schedule to buy on a team that I already like. Anything can happen in March Madness. I just need somebody who I know is going to be in it, and I need a valuable ticket. So give me more than, you know, 60-1. Give me more than 40-1. to Give me a team that I know is going to be in the tournament. Give me a spot in their schedule where I should buy them before they play a whole list of cupcakes. And I think we're going to get good value. So the three that I'm bringing to the table tonight, the first one's going to be Florida State. They've won three straight. They just beat Louisville on the road. If you look at their schedule, they don't play a team in the top 40 until they host Virginia on February 15th. They're still doing their 32nd in offensive rebounding. Uh, they're actually shooting, you know, top 30 and in, 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 uh, from long distance. Uh, I think Florida State is a team that is in a down year for the ACC. There's not a lot of competition on here. I mean, the, the list of teams they have left on the rest of their schedule is conducive to them to maybe just losing once for the rest of the season. So, There is a readily available 38-to-1 out there. Uh, If you look around, you can get some of that. Yeah, Florida State, they've made some runs. I worry at times
6: about their half-court offense in a game that can grind to a halt in the NCAA tournament. Um, But they are so long. uh, They're going to control the glass. Barnes, if he just keeps developing. um, I mean, yeah, it's a very talented team. Randall, thoughts? Thoughts?
3: Yeah, Florida State has a resume the last few years, ton of success, and and honestly, guys, kind of some bad luck. Teams always make free throws against them, 75% this year, 74, 73 last two years. Their offense has longed for that player who can, like, get a basket, and you said it, Barnes, MJ Walker, they can kind of get a bucket when they need, and with everything being down in the ACC, topsy-turvy, it's a great call.
5: So we'll pivot to team two here, and I, I, you, how can I get away from the Ramblers, right? Does everybody remember Loyola Chicago? If you like minutes continuity, so minutes continuity is, you know, if you substitute guys in, how familiar are they with playing minutes with each other? This team is 16th in the nation in minutes continuity, which was really good coming into the season. Now one four straight. You know, Loyola Chicago is now in the top 25 of Ken Palm. Let's look at the rest of their schedule. Bradley outside the top 100, Missouri State outside the top 100, Evansville 275th. And you have to remember in the Missouri Valley, they're going to play back-to-backs. The Saturday, Sunday, Sunday, Monday, back-to-backs. Their toughest spot for the rest of the season is a weekend with Drake uh, in Des Moines. So, you know, and and that I'm not I'm not sure even that's going to be that big of a problem. So this team here is is bringing it from an effective field goal percentage. They're 12th in the nation. Uh, Steel percentage are 21st in the nation. They're shooting. You know, they have the 11th highest two point percentage, the 51st highest three point percentage. uh, And they have an even distribution from all areas on the court. Oil of Chicago is a team that's proved it to us before a team that has a cake schedule. And is proving it in the advanced numbers that they're going to be a contender here coming up. East Coast, you can find around 150 to 1. West Coast, you can find better than a 200 to 1. And inside the Action app, as we're recording, I'm going to be placing uh, a 340 to 1 that I found. Yeah, the team that made that run, that magical
6: run a couple of years ago in the NCAA tournament, the a name that might be familiar to some. Is still on the team and Cam Crutwig, their big bruiser inside, uh, who's just a problem. The team is defending at an elite level. One of the things that I do like about them is it's a very experienced team with a lot of continuity, which I think is even more important this year in this unique year. But they also grind the game down to a halt so that they're going to limit the number of possessions which if they're going to play a more talented team in the tournament, ugly it up, increase the variance. Uh, It's an intriguing team for sure. Yeah, Lucas Williamson also was on that team. Uh, Thoughts here, Randall?
3: Yeah, good balance. This is another solid one. Great coach, got a big man inside, shoot the three, 16th in defensive efficiency. They defend the two-pointer, have the entire template for success in the tournament and great odds, Colin.
5: What's up next? So the last one I've got is Utah State. And I know that this isn't in, say, the top 15 or some some, you know, power five brand names. But the fact of the matter is, is the Big Ten just eats each other up with tough competition. There's no dip in the schedule. Uh, If you look at other teams, they're all kind of in, you know, there's kind of scheduling conflicts about when you want to buy them. Utah State, there's never not going to be a better chance to buy these guys when you look at their remaining schedule. Uh, you know, a a date with Colorado state coming up, UNLV, Fresno, Wyoming, Boise is going to be their toughest. uh, You know, it's not a back-to-back. It's a Wednesday, Friday game scheduled in mid February, but that's it. I mean, they haven't had that tough of a schedule up to this point. Uh, Beat San Diego state twice back-to-back at home. Uh, Boise state's it. Other than that, we're going to get to the mountain West conference tournament. I don't see Utah state losing a game from here on out. And if you like defense, You're going to get it from this team. Sixth overall in defensive adjusted efficiency. They can absolutely, I mean, they're eighth in blocks. uh, They're 20th in offensive rebounds. These guys love to hit the glass. So, you know, if you're looking for a team that I'm almost sure of that's going to be in the tournament, that's probably going to win their conference tournament, you got to look at Utah State. If you look at the East Coast, we're sitting around 110 to 1. There is a book, a common book out there that's at 30 to 1. But on the West Coast, there's multiple outlets with 300 to one. So you definitely should search around.
6: I'm still mad that we didn't get, I think I had Utah state. I think back and took 250 to one last year before the year. And it was a lot of guys on this team with Sam Merrill who got drafted. That's the piece that I think that they're missing is that just go to score at the end of the game. But Kada, who's a potential pro they're big inside. Who's just, I mean, he's absolutely just dominating these smaller bigs in the mountain west uh he's gotten better he's certainly improved he's a seven footer just huge presence in in the interior and in order to beat utah state you're gonna have to hit threes they force you to do that you have to shoot over top of them you know i mean their schedule's been i mean they beat san diego state twice one of them without matt mitchell
0: the greatest player on the west coast matt mitchell
6: Maybe New Mexico Air Force, San Jose State in back-to-backs. Northern Colorado, College of Idaho. They lost to BYU at home. You know they lost to VCU. They didn't know they were playing VCU. They got blown out by VCU. Then they got blown out by South Dakota State. It was a weird first two games of the year. Give them a little bit of a pass. I'm just worried that they miss that Sam Merrill type that is going to go and get them a bucket, a la that shot to win that epic shot. The pretty much the last great memory of March Madness before everything got canceled last year. Thoughts, Randall?
3: Kato was injured last year, and you can tell. I've watched them a few times, hashtag late night West Coast basketball, and Kato is catching the ball at the three-point line, dribbling, spinning, and making moves. He's also bringing the ball up the floor. Very comfortable and is a game-changer. Long, athletic, averages a double-double, three assists, three blocks – total game changer they don't have that guy stuck like you said the guard brock miller's been on fire justin bean does everything uh but another team like colin said that you're going to catch them right now because people haven't quite caught on i am dying to see what happens tonight with colorado state i like colorado state they took them to the woodshed in the first game now they're going to go back to back you know the back-to-backs have been frisky this year really interested to see but this team has everything and they have craig smith great coach last three years craig smith has the highest return on investment of any coach, 19.9%, 75, 46, and two against the spread.
6: Yeah, covering machine. I mean, Matt, if Kate, a healthy Kata with Merrill and this supporting cast last year, it would have been fun to see them in March. Um, all right, Randall, you're first up this week to knock one of Collins' three futures off.
3: Yeah, this is a tough one, Colin, but I'm actually going to knock off Loyola Chicago at 281st in strength of schedule, 97th non-conference strength of schedule. Yes, they've been there, but they do get a little questionable with the three pointers and we've seen Crutwig. He's not going to surprise anyone anymore. And basically I'm knocking them off because I feel like the other two teams you picked do what they do, but just a little bit better. So I like the number on Utah State better. Florida State has more talent, like Loyola Chicago. But if I have to knock one out, I'm going to knock off the team that lost to Wisconsin by 14 away, lost to Richmond on a neutral. I think they're going to dominate the Missouri Valley, but I put them a notch below the other two. I'm taking the Ramblers out. All
6: right. That means I have to take one off. And unfortunately – I'm going to take out our Utah state boys and we kind of need someone with more pro pedigree. I mean, we have St. Louis, they have two of the most talented players in all of mid-major basketball, but I'm thinking to March and, you know, we, we, we can add a couple more long shots, but someone we, we were talking about, Gonzaga and Baylor are so much better than everybody else. I mean, I have Iowa, I think, neck and neck with Michigan as, like, the third and fourth best team in the country right now. Iowa was a 5-point underdog on a neutral court to Gonzaga, and that's pretty much what I have them at. I mean, it's like a 5 – and I have Baylor r- very, very close with Gonzaga, but Gonzaga, number one. I mean, it's like a 5-point drop-off to the third and fourth best team. So someone is going to have – they're going to be on opposite sides of the bracket, most likely. Someone is going to have to knock them off. Give me the athleticism of Florida State – Give me, you know, Barnes going off the length. Um, Florida State uh, is a team that on the right day, I think, could give Gonzaga or Baylor a run. Whereas I think Utah State would get run out of the gym. Thoughts there, Randall?
3: Stuck. If you flash back to 2018, we saw the narrative. We saw Gonzaga at 32 and four come in in a Sweet 16 matchup with Florida State. Florida state dominates them Killian and Tilly ruled out right before the game with an injury, but Florida state was the better team. They are not afraid of Gonzaga. They play defense. They're long. They can disrupt. They can get scalding hot with a heat check on offense. Yes. This is the type of team. And Gonzaga is, you know, when you haven't practiced for two weeks and you roll Iowa on a neutral, I mean, that's saying something, but yes, if you're looking for one of the few teams that we can find a pathway to challenge, I think Florida state's a choice.
6: There it is. Leonard Hamilton, the ageless (laughs) Leonard (laughs) Hamilton, who at this point, if I have any more car bombs, I'm going to start looking older than him. And he's 72, 73, Um, he's more than double my age. But all right, we're riding with the Knowles, Leonard Hamilton, Lenny! That's going to be that clip from a memento.
2: Lenny! It's
0: Leonard, like I told you before. Did
2: you? I must've forgot.
5: Do you know what the great thing is about Florida State is they're the team that no matter what their seat is in Calcutta auctions, they go way more than what their value is. It doesn't matter if they're yes. a dog, if they're yes. a favorite. Everybody sweats playing the Seminoles. And when it comes to like flat out auctions, if for those of you that participate in Calcutta's, they always go for way more than their peers in their range. It's just nobody wants a piece of this team in the postseason.
6: All right, before we get to Saturday and some A-10 talk with Petey Buckets, it's time for our Friday night six-pack.
0: Six guys, six picks. It's a College Hoops weekend six-pack.
2: Everyone's trying to.
6: All right, we're joined once again by the newest contributors to the Action Network family, Kai McEwen, Jim Root, and Matt Cox, better known as the Three Man Weave. They join us every Friday this season to help us build our weekend six-pack, six picks for the Friday Night College Hoops slate. You can catch them on Twitter at 3MW underscore CBB and on the Three Man Weave podcast. It sounds like we might be getting into some Horizon League ball to kick things off
0: Expand your gambling horizons with the Horizon League.
6: And I am glad that we were able to bring them back because, and look, this is typical Twitter fashion. We gave out, I think, five total picks last week. Three ended up not hitting, but the new guests almost went 0-3, but South Alabama had a big comeback. I was getting messages on Twitter, never have them on again. So if they went 0-3, I would have, there would have been an uproar.
4: You do not hand in crap like this. I should fire you and burn down your friggin' house.
6: People, it's 0-3. I'm going to go 0-10 some days. I'm going to go 0-7. These guys know their stuff. Give them a shot. And I I loved one of their picks in Charlotte, who won the next day over UAB. Very odd. (laughs) Another odd back-to-back result. But let's get things
2: started with Kai, who's going to start us off on the horizon. Start off with Wright State, the Raiders, minus 11 against IUPUI in the Horizon League. This is a matchup of the class of the Horizon versus one of the dregs of the league. Now, IUPUI has been a little bit better than that this year. They haven't been quite a dumpster fire I think that changes tonight. Wright State also a little lackadaisical in the first leg of these matchups. Had some struggles with Cleveland State and Youngstown, respectively. But rest assured, Wright State is the best team in this conference. They're number one in both offensive and defensive efficiency in conference play. They are going to outclass the Jags tonight. An up-tempo game favors the heavy favorite. Loudon Love and company will bludgeon IUPUI inside as the Jags are one of the smallest teams in the country. Defensively, right State, one of the nation's best in denying three-point opportunities. IUPUI relies on outside shooting to score. The pick is the Raiders, minus 11.
6: Yeah, I can't argue with the reasoning, but I make it right around 11. So I will be sitting on the sidelines there. Next, we go to Jim. Jim, all right, I was with you last week on Charlotte, who let us down on Friday. But avenge that
4: embarrassing loss on Saturday against UAB. Uh, what do you got this week? I'm staying in the Horizon League with my guy, Kai. I'm going with the Green Bay Phoenix, rising from the ashes of a two-game sweep at Detroit last week. They are taking on Purdue-Fort Wayne, a team that is flying high themselves. they won four in a row, blew out a shorthanded UIC team two weeks ago, and then swept Milwaukee last week. So a bit of a, a buy low, sell high spot here for the Phoenix. And they've been much better at home, quite honestly. I, I, I think they can show up here against the Macedons. They can slash to the rim. And this is Will Ryan, the son of Bo Ryan, but he is not playing the same kind of swing flex style offense that Bo Ryan had. He is empowering his guards in the pick and roll, whether it's Amari Davis or Josh Jefferson or P.J. Pipes. These guys can get to the rim and score against the Mastodons who rank in the bottom 40 in the country in two-point percentage defense. That is an issue against Green Bay. And the other end, you just got to hope for a little bit of regression from the Mastodons. They lead the country in three-point percentage shooting right now. That's not going to stay. They've got three guys in Jared Godfrey, Deontay Phillips, and Bobby Planudis that are shooting 15% higher or more than they did last season. And I don't think that's going to last. I think the regression monster bites the Mastodons and the Phoenix get it done at home. Green Bay plus two is the pick. The three-man weave guys will come to us with their picks and
6: uh, we record around five Eastern. I come with my, I don't know what they're going to pick until five Eastern. I have to do my pick we all do our picks ahead of time. Last week, Jim and I both had Charlotte against UAB. Well, again, this week I had Green Bay. I don't know why I spent time putting together my info because I had the exact same stuff written down. There is massive regression coming for this Fort Wayne team who is shooting way over their heads. I mean, look, every one of on the team is shooting like 47% from 3 and like it's not like these are Knocked down 45 47% shooters. No one is there. There's regression coming anyway. But you can look at their track record. Their regression is coming hard. Uh, Green Bay, very young team. I think they can build on that sweep last week. Uh, Great minds or dumb minds, I don't know, two weeks in a row. I'm with Jim as my six-pack pick. And we will close things out with
2: Matt. Matt, what do you got? I'm headed out west for my best bet. We're talking about the UC San Diego Tritons catching two and a half at the opener here, hosting... UC Davis, man, it's a tough go of it for the D1 noobs. One of the four new D1 members here, welcome to the jungle of D1 basketball. They got slated against UC Santa Barbara and UC Irvine, the two Goliaths of the Big West Conference. Not exactly a warm welcome to your D1 experience, especially for a team that didn't have a non-conference, really. They had two D2 tune-ups in St. Catherine, uh, and then went right into the gauntlet of conference play. So now they finally catch a team on the schedule, UC Davis, a team in their weight class, a team that they can compete with, whom team that they can beat, Also, the UC Davis Aggies have been on their own pause. They have not played a D1 game since late November. We're talking Thanksgiving week. Very strict protocols have limited practice and preparation there in the California proper region. I'm looking at anything above pick here for the Tritons. It's good value. So if you can get it at plus one, plus two, hop in. I'd take anything up to pick.
6: Uh, I completely agree with Matt here. Both Green Bay and UC San Diego, I make small, short favorites. By the way, you can... Check my projections for every single college basketball game on the Action Network app, and I'm seeing UC San Diego open as like a three point underdog, and Green Bay was like a two and a half point underdog. Both I, I love it at those prices. UC Davis hasn't played, and I think they played like a D two school. I think in Dece- on December fourth, they haven't played in forever. Teams very small sample size. We're still trying to figure out what all these long breaks mean. But teams on 14 or more plus day breaks this season are 40, 54, and three. Against the spread, that's forty-two point six percent. I also think that if UC Davis, you know, blows them out or has a lucky shooting night, or UC San Diego's off, we can look to go back to the Tritons on Saturday because I, I still have major conditioning questions for these teams that have to come back after a long break, and there's a lot of restrictions on UC Davis, and then have to play the very next day. Um, so, and, and I might go back to the well regardless of what happens on Friday. Uh, so I completely agree with the Tritons. So our first four picks, we have Wright State. We have Green Bay, which I agree with. So we have Green Bay twice. Jim, we can't let everyone down again. And UC San Diego. Colin, I'll throw it to you.
5: Friday night six-pack, where are you headed? I'm going to do a little Mountain West conference action. Should be the last game of the day. If you look at the pace between San Diego State and Air Force, this will be the slowest game of the entire day. Uh, 331st and 355th, uh, Ken Palm projects this game to land around 120 on the total. The market right now is we're podcasting 129, and I just put it in on the Action app, so hopefully people are able to get a hold of this as it's sinking a little bit. San Diego State's defensively, they're top 20 in adjusted efficiency. This is not a good Air Force team as far as getting up the court. Uh, they are one of the slowest. They'll, they should have zero putbacks. Even if they get a shot up, they're not going to get any offensive rebounds because they rank almost dead last in the nation in offensive turnover percentage and offensive rebound percentage. So even if they get a shot up, don't expect them to get any kind of rebound and, and quick score. No quick points here. Slow pace. I like the under. Yeah, and Matt Mitchell
6: is likely out a few weeks. He's their best offensive player by far. Uh, the offense is just not the same without him. Although I was pretty impressed by Lamont Butler in his absence, who, uh, you know, had 13 points, played well, five steals, played well in the defensive end. But the offense just doesn't have the same firepower without Matt Mitchell, not our producer, but the player for San Diego State. Can we get serious now? Last but not least, Randall, close out the Friday night six-pack. Where are you going?
3: Let's stay in the horizon, fellas. Illinois, Chicago at Youngstown State. Tough spot here in the horizon, but barring that COVID break, the Flames have been starting to form into that Yaklich stout defense that he is so famous for. They've hit three unders in a row. They play Youngstown State second slowest in the horizon. Penguins are just three and seven in the horizon against the spread and are the worst in conference in shooting threes and making threes. The line projected at Ken Palm at 140. It opened at 142. I already hit it on the action app. They don't turn the ball over, but they don't force them either, Youngstown State. So I'm on the under here. I'm going to continue to ride with those flames. They've won and covered against a good Robert Mars team on consecutive nights. I think this is going to be a close battle. I think it's going to be a slow pace, and I like the under. I would like it down to 140 here on Illinois-Chicago at Youngstown State in the horizon. All right, so there
6: you have it. Close out the six-pack. We have two picks on Green Bay one on UC San Diego, one on Wright State, and then two unders, Air Force San Diego State and Illinois, Chicago, Youngstown State. A beautiful Friday night six pack. Let's uh, get to the window at at least four and two.
4: Oh, thank you. That's exactly the response I'm looking for. All
6: right, um, we will close things out with my uh, 10 to 15 minute conversation with PD Buckets on the A-10 We get into St. Louis. We get into that second tier who could make some noise. But before we do that, let's go around the horn and talk some Saturday college basketball.
0: So many games, so little time. Let's look at the Saturday slate.
6: Go around. Everyone just brings up one spot until we're kind of that they have circled until we're out of ammunition. Uh, I'll start. This is going to be really ugly. We hope we can get double double digits here. More the merrier. Mississippi State at Alabama. The regression monsters coming for Alabama. they are I mean, I, I love the way they play. They're just going to chuck threes. That's it. They're not going to take any mid-range jumpers. They're shooting 42.2% from three in conference play. That's first. And holding teams to 24.6% from three. That's first. And they're 7-0 in conference. They've won eight straight. Many of the marquee matchups. Now... You know, they get Mississippi State, a little bit of a flat spot. Mississippi State coming off a bad loss to Ole Miss. Just an ideal buy low sell high spot where we could potentially get some good line value and catch Bama sleeping with a lot of regression due to come their way. Bulldogs should eat on the offensive glass, which is a weakness of Alabama and a strength of Mississippi State. I think they're top 10 nationally in that department. They'll also grind the game to a halt, play at their pace, not Alabama's. I think you can look for big games and hope for big games out of Stuart and Molinar, Alabama 52 of 109 from three, the past three games, 47.7% on 109 attempts. The past three games, Uh, I'll be looking to sell Alabama this weekend and buy Mississippi state. It's ugly. I don't want to do it. No one wants to do it. Everyone's talking about Alabama futures, final four. This is the time normally, To sell. Now they could come out and hit 23s. I'll tip my hat. Um, Randall, what do you got?
3: This Oklahoma-Kansas game, you have to choose sides, folks. You have to make a decision whether Kansas is really in a bit of a free fall, lost a bad loss at Baylor, lost to Oak State. Are they really in free fall, lost at home to Texas, or is Bill Self going to rally the troops? Oklahoma does not beat themselves here. What you're going to have is a very small line. Ken Palm has this game right now as Oklahoma actually favored by one. I don't think Bill Self is dead yet. I know people are going to jump off the train. Oklahoma is tough at home, but I'm going to stay with Self on the road. Remember last year, guys, Bill Self on the road against the spread was nine and one. He was on fire. I think he keeps it going here. I think they get it right. You're going to get Kansas probably getting a point. You have to make a decision. If you think Kansas is going the wrong way and McCormick doesn't have it, gets in foul trouble, and there's no real star quality there with Abaji and Garrett's been disappointing, then fine, go with Oklahoma. I'm jumping back on Self. He always figures it out, and I just don't see them losing this game.
6: Um, yeah, Bill Self I- has been money throughout his career on the road in the Big 12 against the spread. I will say, keep in mind with Kansas. They are they beat Oklahoma by four, by the way, uh, two weeks ago. Bill Self has been money against the spread on the road in Big 12 played throughout his career. It doesn't apply here, but Kansas has lost to Baylor, who they'll play again later in the year. Oklahoma State, who they'll play again later in the year. And Texas, who they'll play again later in the year. Bill Self is... And this is ridiculous. 25 and 1 straight up and 20 and six against the spread in same season revenge spots. So that means it like they lost to the team already. That means it has to be a pretty good team. 24, 25 and 1 straight up, 20 and 6 against the spread in same season revenge spots. 7-0 and 1 against the spread as a road dog versus a top five team. Just, just stunning. So keep that in mind. I'll bring it up again later in the year. But the bill's self adjustments and uh, in his revenge spots has been just absolutely free money. We will have that three more times this year, but not this weekend. Oklahoma does have revenge. I agree. This is a pick your side game. Uh, Colin, where are you going? What do you got on your mind for Saturday?
5: Yeah, I mean the first one I'll talk about. I'm gonna, I'm gonna wheel off of you with the Alabama Mississippi State game. And I'm gonna take the under in this game. I think what people have seen with Alabama is going to create some value in the total. Uh, this is a number that is projected to be 148 by Ken Palm, so it may come in a little bit higher. But if you go into the advanced numbers, Mississippi State's 327 of the nation in free throw percentage. They're not going to make their shots. If you look at Alabama, they're playing the best defense in the SEC from the perimeter and from two points. So, I mean, Mississippi State's going to have a hard time scoring themselves. And then if you go to the Alabama side, This is not the matchup that they want from a blocks perspective. They're 336 in the nation in offensive block percentage. Mississippi State's top 20 in the nation defensively in blocking shots. So I think there's going to be a little bit of interruption to the Alabama offense, at least when they decide to go inside the three-point arc. Uh, I I like the under in this game, but I'm willing to wait until within an hour before tip to see if I can get some value on it. Uh, Next up, I'll mention, look, if you want to fade
6: Baylor off those two Big wins, Kansas and Texas Tech. Oklahoma State's a ten days off since that Kansas win. Maybe they're gonna press and zone a little bit more and Cunningham just goes off. Can you can we get eight or nine plus? They take on Baylor, Oklahoma State. They're they're a little intriguing. DePaul is they're gonna show up as line value. I mean in a buy low spot. I'm dreading it already. But I'll mention one that'll uh make Randall angry. Clemson at Florida State. Oh. Can we get them plus Six would be lovely. Uh, since Clemson beat – I mean, this is an ideal by so I spot. Clemson beat Florida State. Or since then, they've failed to the cover in four straight. They got blown out against Virginia, blown out against Georgia Tech. Meanwhile, Florida State's won and covered three straight, blew out a few teams most recently at Louisville. But, look, I love Florida State. I love their upside for March, but there's some regression coming for the Noles in the short term. They're shooting 44% from three. from the line in conference play Clemson, who is a top five defense overall from an efficiency perspective, like two weeks ago, opponents in conference players shooting 43.1% from three against them. I I mean, it's just outrageous. They, uh, this is a focus spot, a buy low spot. You'll get their max effort here. Clemson can turn Florida state over a bit. They can make this a half court grinder which is not how Florida state wants to play that would favor the tigers. Look, it's ugly. You groaned. That's normally where my, my plays are going to be on a uh, college basketball card. Sorry, Randall. You can comment on that if you want. And what else is on your radar for Saturday?
3: Well, Florida state is, is the Rubik's cube for me. So I'm staying away from that, but yeah, I, I, Clemson is just on the wrong way, but it wouldn't surprise me because you never know with, with the Seminoles, they can always come up with that clunker UCF you talked about before Next place I'm going, sort of uh a, a under-the-radar spot. So Auburn's hot. They're playing well. Cooper's great. And they're going to South Carolina. South Carolina, over the last three years, at home under Frank Martin against the spread, 13-6. and six, That's 68.4%. You're going to be getting three or four points here. They always play good defense. They beat Kentucky at home last year. Martin was out for a couple games with COVID, and they still played really well at LSU. They should have won that game couple players are back now. Keyshawn Bryant, really explosive wing. Cousinard, Lawson's been hitting threes for them. I just like getting points at home in, in these situations. And South Carolina, good, tough team under Martin. They're going to give a, a big effort. And maybe Auburn, you know, thinking things are too easy because they're playing well. They just beat Kentucky. A little bit of a sleepy spot. So I'll take the points there with South Carolina. I like them there in that in that home spot.
6: Yeah, don't mind that. They, they dealt with some COVID issues and had a, a little slide. So I think that you might be able to catch them with value here in the short term. Because I think that they are they were feeling the effects from that a little bit, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Colin, what do you got up your bag of tricks next?
5: Yeah, I mean, everybody knows I love Creighton. I got a you know future on them, and I'm, I'm hoping they win the national championship. But sometimes you just go cold. Teams like Arkansas and Creighton sometimes just can't make shots, and they'll go through long stints. And Creighton's, you know, suffered a couple losses here lately, and now they're going to play a Connecticut team that is number one in the conference and defending the perimeter. And the number by Ken Palm is projected to be around four. So if I can find this around five, UConn's going to be a play. I believe in what Hurley and what UConn's doing, have a future on them too. Uh, But any team that's, you know, best in the conference, best in the big East at defending the perimeter, you can count me in when it comes to covering against Creighton.
6: Yeah. Creighton with two straight losses to Butler on the road in overtime. And then they came home and lost to Providence yeah, Zigarowski was back for that Providence game too. So they've lost two in a row. I don't hate the analysis, but I assume you're going to get an angry Creighton team. Providence is, they're going to be an interesting team to figure out as they are every year heading into the Big East tournament.
1: The NFL season is upon us and our friends at BetMGM Sports are offering Action Network podcast listeners a great sign-up offer. Just make your first deposit using the bonus code ACTIONPOD and receive a 100% deposit match up to $500. They've got parlay bonus payouts, live betting markets, daily odds boosts, all sorts of great stuff. So download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com to sign up and use the code ACTIONPOD to double your bankroll with a 100% deposit match up to $500. As a reminder, you must be 21 or older and physically located in the great states of Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia, or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promo offer not available in Nevada. And now, back to the show.
6: All right, uh, one last one I'll mention here. I'll have a piece out for Saturday on my, my favorite buy low spots. Get back to doing that weekly, starting off this week. Uh, but one I'll mention: this isn't. I, I'm kind of selling Virginia Tech high. I think they're getting a little bit too much love in the market. Syracuse. I think this is a good matchup for Syracuse too. They're getting in a huge game for Syracuse. They're going to be. They're going to be squarely on the bubble again, uh, depending on how they fare over the next week or two. But they're getting out in transition a lot at the top sixty rate nationally. They rank in the eighty third percentile in terms of points per possession, per synergy in that department. And Virginia Tech has really struggled to defend in transition. Also, Syracuse, as everyone here knows, they run as much zone as any team in the country, almost exclusively. And the Hokies for two straight years have been – they're just a much better offense against man defenses. So I'm hoping I can get Syracuse here to pick minus one. I think they win this game. Uh, I think it's a good spot to get Syracuse in and in a good matchup against Virginia Tech. Randall, what do you have up your
3: sleeve? Last one for me. You don't want to go to war with the Rams, and you don't want to go to war with them when they're coming off loss. You're going to get an angry VCU team at home against Dayton. They blew that St. Bonaventure game. They were up huge. Bonnie's come storming back. This is a solid team that's very angry. Of course, they could not beat Dayton last year when they had the, the tremendous team with Toppin. Now they're home. Dayton's kind of been living on the edge here. They beat Davidson in overtime away. That was a nice win. But prior to that, they lost to Fordham. I mean, go figure that. The Duquesne game, they're decimated. They have no players. They do win in cover, but it was close. George Washington, they gave back a huge, league. I, a huge lead. I feel like they're leaking water here. They're heading down. Ken Palm has it about 3 I would give six or seven. I think VCU comes out here real angry. It's Jalen Crutcher, and that's pretty much it for Dayton. Rodney Chapman has not played for a while, so I just think it's an angry VCU team. They want to get payback here against Dayton. Dayton doesn't have much this year. A lot of steals and turnovers for the Rams at home.
6: I mean, VCU's defense has been elite all year. They're going to press you to a bunch, 30, 35 percent of the time. But I mean, their defense has been outstanding, top twenty-five nationally adjusted efficiency. Their offense at times can get a little stagnant, and when no one can help Bones, we'll talk about this in a second. But Dayton, I know Dayton's been banged up, and you know, so we really haven't seen their full strength team. But turnovers have been a huge issue, huge issue. They're turning the ball over outside the top three hundred in turnover rate. That. Is a nightmare against VCU. Dayton also not strong on the glass, which is one of the ways that you can exploit VCU with offensive rebounds. So I think it's a great matchup too. And yeah, you should get an angry VCU team, 430 Eastern on CBS Sports Network. Uh, Colin, you got
5: one more for us? Yeah. You know, we can't leave the pod without me talking about Arkansas, which I believe right now is just an... Un- your bets at the bull <laughs> buzzer.
0: <laughs> Woo pig suey. Collins talking Razorback basketball.
5: I mean, they're they're just not a finished product right now. They're struggling for an identity. They don't really do anything that well. And I swear there's a lot of similarities between Arkansas basketball and Arkansas football because it's a max effort for Merrick Musselman. He has the ability to trail by 20 points at LSU or at home against Auburn and will his way to get into his kid's head and get them to come back trailing by almost 20 at one point against Auburn, trailed by 12 at half and, you know, had the two point win, but could have lost on a last second shot. So it was all effort. It's all complete effort. And what you're going into is a Vanderbilt. And I've never liked playing at Vanderbilt whatsoever. Just their hoop, their rim, the floor, the bench, everything is just odd. And so when you look at the Vandy team, you know, Vanderbilt has lost four straight. So obviously, people are going to see the final score with Arkansas. They're going to assume everything is back when actually all that was was hustle going up against a Vandy team that's lost four straight. But if you dig a little bit deeper in Vanderbilt, first in the SEC in free throw percentage, that could come in handy for covering a big spread. Vandy's first in the SEC in defensive rebound percentage, that could come in handy in this game. Vandy's third in the SEC in shooting threes, and Arkansas is eleventh in the conference in defending the perimeter. So Ken Palm dictates that this should be an eight-point game. I just don't think Arkansas is polished enough to put two halves together to cover a spread that big on the road against anybody in the SEC. So if you see Vandy plus nine or even in double digits, going to have to play the Commodores. Yeah, Ken Palm makes
6: an eight, which is a good sign because I make it around six. So I don't disagree with you there. Uh, let me play a quick game with you, Colin. This isn't – what's that game people play? Fuck, Mary, kill. This isn't that. This is a, <laughs> a, a sports betting variation of it. You have to – Fire one, give one a raise, let the other just be. Between Eric Musselman, Barry Odom, and Sam Pittman. For those not familiar, that's the Sam Pittman's the head football coach of Arkansas. Barry Odom, I had to bring up for our producer.
0: Barry Odom is a joke.
6: Barry Odom uh, is the defensive coordinator for Arkansas, and Eric Musselman is the head basketball coach of Arkansas. The Arkansas Razorback. So fire one, give one a raise, and the other, you just let them be.
5: Well, I'm glad you didn't switch Barry Odom out for our baseball coach, Dave Van Horn, since we make the call. I was, I was going to
6: do the baseball coach, At,
5: but I was like, not enough people are going to know about
6: Arkansas baseball.
5: Right. For those of you that don't know, Arkansas is in a Super Regional or College World Series almost every year, and it's because we stole Nebraska's coach. And right now we have a trifecta of head coaches. It is just it, It's never been this good for us in quite a long time. So playing this game, you're firing Barry Odom. It's not even close. You and I know the defensive splits. It wasn't that good. D- you know, defense of what happened in that Missouri game with allowing 50, a 50-burger 50 so. Uh, we're definitely firing Barry Odom. Both Sam Pittman and Eric Musselman recruit their ass off, and they get the most out of their squad. So I'm going to give Musselman a raise based on uh, seniority uh Pittman's got to give me another year year two with KJ Jefferson Felipe Franks is out the door Sam Pittman's gonna have to prove it to me this year to get a raise so we'll give the raise Eric Musselman and Barry Odom you're out the door why did you push yourself um
6: all right there you have it uh before we get to PD Buckets Randall any final parting words for this weekend anything you're looking forward to anything just on on the season that we haven't touched on that you want to get out
3: no or just in life in general I'm trying to get better at making drinks, fellas. I'm, I'm alternating up the martinis and I got margaritas. I got a rum runner. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to do, I'm trying to learn something from this COVID stuff. So adding some drinks to my repertoire. Any
6: of those? You like any of those? You guys, beer guys. Irish Carbomb. Uh, oh, that's a nice one. Learn how to make them. Did a
3: baby Guinness shot this weekend, if that helped you.
6: Irish Bomb is my rally drink during the winter. Um, I have to start to get on my Peloton and run them off now. But uh, when I go out, to the bars on like on Saturdays, I drink like a college kid. I have double Tito's Yellow Red Bull. I have about 20 of them on a Saturday.
0: You will always be held to a different higher standard and it's fucked up, but that is the way it is.
6: And then my nice drink is like Hendrix and tonic, but I don't really drink during the week. I'm just like all business during the week. And then I go on a Saturday, I'll go out for like 17 hours, Colin has seen it and have, uh, (laughs) have, uh, 400 drinks and buy everyone, everyone drinks. And that's, uh, those are my Saturdays, but, uh, Colin, what, what are your, what is your drink of choice these days? Has it changed?
5: It's interesting because in the month of January, I don't drink and I actually fast. Like I only eat four hours a day and I, January is like my clean. You only eat four hours a day? Yeah, I fast. I only eat four (laughs) hours a day. (laughs) Like I'm serious. Like I'm really pissed off. What do you mean? That's, that's a lot. You're eating for four hours. No, I'm. I only eat in between a four-hour period. So if you catch oh, me okay. outside, I thought you meant hour. like for a full four hours you're eating. <laughs> I was like, what do you normally? <laughs> I eat? probably could. I mean, I I, I probably could Jesus. eat for uh, an It's like I'm taking it easy hour, in general. I'm only eating for a total of four hours. I, I'm a pretty simple guy. If I'm on my boat, I'm drinking a, a Truly or a White Claw. If I am wrapping up college sa- college football Saturday and that last Pac-12 or Mountain West game is on, then I've got the most expensive bottle of scotch with one glass poured while I write the the column for the night and if it's in vegas or if i'm in green bay at a packers game i'll be drinking as much spotted cow as i possibly can that's when the beer comes out during the live events but man we have not been at live events in a long time i'm hoping that all changes here in the next few months because i really miss the roar of the crowd a drink in the hand and the camaraderie of having the fellow betters around you whether they are with you or not with you on your ticket. Yeah, college basketball, man. It's the one sport where I'm like, I feel it. I know,
6: and maybe it doesn't mean anything, but I'm like, I know this team, in front of their crowd, against this top ten team, is going to cover today. I can, you know, it's just one of those things. And like, you're not assured anymore. You're like, all right, I have this number. I think that they're going to get a really good effort, but they, you just, it's just not the same. College basketball. I miss the fans. I didn't really miss them in any other sport. But all right, let's let's bring in. Petey Buckets here, talk some A 10 ball before we get out of here.
0: From the Southern to the Summit League, the MEAC and the Missouri Valley, there are over 350 Division I programs, so let's get acquainted. This is Conference Confidential.
6: All right, joining me now is a friend of the podcast. For those that listened last year know that we had on – At Petey Buckets, one of my favorite A-10 follows on Twitter. I have him back this year to talk some A-10s. I think it's one of the most intriguing conferences in college basketball this year with some teams that are trending up, some intriguing storylines that we will get to. Uh, What's going on, Petey?
7: Hey, what's up, Stucky? Thanks for having me on.
6: Well, let's start with a team that this podcast, and by this podcast I mean me, is very high on and that's st louis Mm -hmm. we knew that the defense was going to be there the rebounding was going to be there very experienced team hard-nosed bully ball team the question with st louis was always going to be the offense there's been a lot of promising signs there this year can we trust the offense and i mean well first i guess are they ever going to play another basketball game again what are your thoughts on the billies
7: (laughs) Yeah, so they're actually supposed to come back next Tuesday against Dayton. Um, They're... Saturday game against St. Bonaventure uh, was uh, was canceled um, or postponed. Devastating, uh, which is really unfortunate. Yeah, because the Bonnies are looking great right now, which are, I'm sure we'll get to. But St. Louis, they should come back against Dayton. Uh, I don't know if you saw the other day, but Travis Ford said 80 percent of the team caught COVID, which is sort of a you know kind of a ridiculous number. It's like almost the whole team. But yeah, I think the the question with St. Louis coming into the season, like you knew you had Jordan Goodwin, who's like a six two power forward. Basically, he's awesome. Um, Hassan French anchoring the middle for him the question like you said was always about the offense last year they were really um, buoyed by Javante Perkins emergence they lost uh, Gibson Jimerson for the entire season after like 10 games which um, uh, kind of stunk for them because he was just a knockdown three-point shooter which is something like that sort of spacing is something that offense desperately needs. so the question coming into this year for st louis was like how do perkins and jimerson work together and can they still be a hard-nosed defensive team while getting the the offensive lift that those guys can provide and uh, yeah, uh, so far through this through this season, the uh, returns are like absolutely. Um, Perkins has still been awesome. One twenty seven O rating on Ken Palm, um, taking a bunch, bunch of shots. He's scoring from um, inside, getting to the rim really well. Um, shooting fifty four percent from three, which like that probably won't sustain. Um, but he's been uh, he's been absolutely fantastic. Their defense taking a, a little bit of a hit, but I mean, like that's relative. They're still top 40 in the country. You know, Jimerson isn't necessarily like the best defender, but given the spacing that he provides you on offense, he's shooting 42% from three uh, on four or five threes per game. I love what I've seen from the Billy's so far. They're only losses on the road at Minnesota, uh, which, you know, Minnesota is a pretty good team, good home court advantage. Other than that, a couple good wins. I, I think uh, the, I think the Billy's are a legit uh, top 20 team.
6: I agree. Yeah, I have them in the top 20. It'll be interesting to see if, uh, this is going to be one of the many questions with this crazy year, like if they have a little bit of a COVID impact, they have such a smaller schedule. And if they drop like a couple games Mm -hmm. trying to get back into the flow, like what does their their profile look like for the tournament? I think that they're getting in. They deserve to get in, but like they haven't played in a month and a half. Hopefully one of the other biggest issues with them last year was free throw shooting. I don't think we can never expect Hassan French to be good there. But Goodwin has the ball in his hands a lot. And for whatever reason, he's always been like, ai don't know, think, around a 50% free throw shooter. At least he's been around 70% this year. If he can just keep up, maintain that clip or a little bit below that, that's huge because their free throw shooting was an absolute disaster. And the, and the way that they play, you know, they're playing a little different this year, though, that, you know, they're, they're going to have some tight margin games and that, that can make all the difference in the world.
7: The overall, as a team, their free throw shooting looks a lot better because Perkins and Goodwin are taking more of those free throws versus like one of the worst free throw shooters in history. An interesting roster notice that they got Martin Linson, um, 80% from the free throw line on the year. He's very much a backup big, but you know he's not not nearly the player that Hassan French is. But if they need to go big in late game situations, we're a better option than keeping Hassan French on the floor at this point.
6: Yep, completely agree. And I think in the in this when healthy, in St. Louis is the best team with the highest upside. In the A10, and then I, you know, the, the second tier is very interesting. We had a fascinating game last night between mm-hmm. VCU and Saint Bonaventure, when VCU looked like they were going to run away with it in the first half, and then Saint Bonaventure, I mean, they've had just some halves this year where their defense looks absolutely unbeatable. So you know, in that second tier, I kind of look like a Richmond, very experienced team, but they don't have a bench, they don't really have any size. Their defense has been. Really bad, man. If this team had Nick Sherrod, I think they really miss him. But their offense is—it's it, Mooney motion. It's going to be beautiful. You have VCU; their defense is elite. They play a unique style. They're going to press you some. But can the like, bones like, get any help on offense from a very young cast? Mention Bonnie's just a very physical team, full of juniors. Man, if they all come back next year, team could be scary good. Elite defensively. They lack of a bench. I think a little lack of little depth and, and some shooters. And then you have Davidson, who's always going to be. Tough to play in Bob McKillop's offense. It's a team I have trouble getting a hold of. But when you look at that second tier, which team do you think is the most intriguing that could potentially get in to the dance and uh, make some noise?
7: Yeah, I think it's definitely St. Bonaventure. Um, they they don't match up well with VCU, so I thought last night's game was incredibly impressive. I was tweeting about it a little bit before, but they played VCU once a year, the prior two years, losing by 28 and by 30. So they just got their doors blown off the last two games, and you know then they go into halftime down 15 yesterday. It looked like it was just going to be more of the same. So they definitely uh, exercised some demons in that second half, 45 to 14, I think, just wild. I love the Bonnies. They are not a, a two-man show anymore. Last year it was Lofton scoring the points than um, Osu and anchoring the middle. This year they're really getting breakout seasons from uh, Jalen Attaway and Jaron Holmes. They have buckets around Kyle Lofton, which is just so important for their ceiling and how good that they can be as a team. Defensively, they really are able to press on the perimeter because they've got Osu anchoring the middle there. He's a fantastic shot blocker. He's really great at staying away from foul trouble. and that's uh, You can't get anything
6: at the rim when he's in there against Bonnies.
7: Yeah, and they're um, number uh, top 25 in the country at three-point defense, allowing a pretty decent amount of uh, three-point um, three attempts, but they're not going in. So it sort of depends on, you know, the, there's sort of a debate in the analytics community about, like, is your three-point percentage allowed or three-pointers uh, three taken a better indicator of, like, how good your defense actually is. But they're doing, you know, they're they're defending well at each level. Their only loss this year is really fluky um, at Rhode Island. It was Jaron Holmes played about 22 seconds because he had back spasms so they do not have a deep bench that's one of their weaknesses but so it, like immediately one of their best players um, one of their most important players was out of the game um, and then Osun fouled out that's their only loss this season everything else every game where they've been full strength and, um, and really healthy they've looked fantastic including a pretty uh, impressive road win at Richmond so Bonnie's are the clear number two for me right now yeah yeah I think that
6: VCU the way that they play if some of these freshmen can step up and elevate their games they're also intriguing. I I love watching Richmond's offense, but I, their lack of depth, size, and, and defense. Man, I just, I wish that we would have seen them with Sharad this year.
7: Yeah, and I think the, the really interesting thing about Richmond is last year, And I'm always like re-surprised by this every time I remember it. But last year they had the number one defense in A-10 play, which is surprising because like if you look at their individual personnel, they don't have a lot of strong like individual defenders. Gillyard's like a great steals guy, but he's really small combined with Blake Francis. They've got a really undersized backcourt. Grant Golden is, you know, his anticipation positioning is good, but um, he's not like a going to wow you with any athletic plays. He's the guy's anchoring their post defense. So last year's team with Sherrod was much more about five guys functioning as a unit and knowing where each other are and they defended really well that way um this year without Sharad, they are extremely soft in the middle i'm um, giving up uh, one of the worst figures in the country from two so they're defending the perimeter pretty well but um it's just too easy to get buckets on them inside um and that's what's really killing them
6: yep completely agree and i think that there's a couple other teams that you could argue maybe can get into that second tier if or you could depending on your viewpoint, you could say that they are in that second tier. One of those coming into the year was definitely Duquesne. have a lot of talent, but, I mean, they've just been uh, – they've had to deal with transfers and, and guys sitting out for personal reasons. But a lot of talent on that team. They've also – they I mean, you expect some shooting regression to come eventually. You have Dayton, who has dealt with a lot of injuries, so it's like we haven't really seen them full strength all year. UMass is a really intriguing team – You know, because of the way they play and they have some really young, talented pieces, this team, if, you know, stays together next year, I think is going to be really intriguing, but wouldn't be surprised if they pull off some upsets this year,
7: which one of those teams kind of uh, intrigues you down the stretch here. Uh, so yeah, definitely all intriguing in their own ways. I think Rhode Island is just super interesting for a lot of reasons. Um, their advanced numbers look really, really good. Ken Palm loves Rhode Island for some reason. Um, has them as the number forty-five defense in the entire country. You know, Rhode Island's really interesting from a defensive perspective. Um, last night's debacle at Duquesne. You know, they were they were four for twenty from three. Like they're just going to be they're going to be susceptible to those kinds of nights. Their um, overall uh, assist rate isn't terribly high either. Um, because their sort of their team is just a, a combination of um, it 's just a lot of like shoot first guards in the backcourt they have a really strong front court, i think um, but just in terms of like offensive flow it 's like the ball stops a lot don 't really know what their identity is, and if like fats is missing shots like they they could lose to anybody
6: yep and then finally, to finish up on just kind of the the bottom of the barrel in the a ten and uh, i know you 're a George Mason guy so maybe i 'll give <laughs> you. Uh, And I went to GW, so maybe you'll plug one of those two teams, but I know you're not going to plug Fordham, but is there (laughs) any team that, you know, kind of from the bottom of the barrel in the 8th 10 that you think, you know, this is betters? listen to, this is a betting podcast that, you know, maybe could be intriguing down the stretch, might be undervalued that you see kind
7: of ending the season trending up? I think St. Joe's, like St. Joe's, is not a good team, but they're against a brutal schedule. I don't think that they're necessarily um, that that bad. Um, they've had a few overtime games, or they've had really bad luck um, against Auburn, against Rhode Island, um, double overtime against Mason last night. I would, I could see St. Joe's landing around like three, four conference wins, depending on how many games they get. I don't, I don't think that they're certainly not a good team, but probably not quite as bad as that one and eleven record uh, would indicate.
6: Great stuff as always. Uh, anything. Before we let you go, anything worth mentioning for Saturday or Sunday?
7: I've got a bad feeling that uh, Mason is going to be uh, St. Joe's first first uh, win in conference. Um, and in terms of uh, in terms of what's a plug, check out the Hey Ten podcast. Um, doing it with uh, uh, Chris Pyle, the guy from A Ten Talk. But we're going to be breaking down uh, going to be breaking down game slates, um, looking at lines, um, doing some break power rankings, what we're seeing from each team. So um, we recently fired that back up. It's the Hey Ten podcast. Follow me on Twitter and check it out.
6: That's <clears throat> at PD Buckets for all of your a10 info. Follow him on Twitter. Should be a fascinating league to keep tabs on. Go billies And thanks for joining us again, Pete. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Thanks for joining us, PD Buckets. We'll have a couple more people throughout the rest of the season come on and talk about specific conferences. If you have any ideas, um, tweet them at me whenever. But uh thanks again to at PD Buckets for joining us. As always, thanks, Colin. Thanks, Mike Randall. Thank you all for listening. Subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe. Tell a friend, tell an enemy, you know the drill. Leave a review. It takes one second. It really helps us. We'll start doing giveaways again. If you leave a five-star review with a a comment on something you like or just a question you have that we'll get to. But thanks, everyone, for listening. Let's have a weekend, and we'll catch you all next week. Cheers. Peace out.
3: Get your popcorn.